Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. All right, well, good morning. Good morning. It is good to be here with you. You know, for years and years, I introduced myself as, hey, I'm West Buchanan, I'm the pastor of student ministry, and I have the best job in the world. Well, I no longer have that position here at North. That's Adam Knight's job. So either, that's right, Kayla, there's one, there you go, Kayla Knight. So either Adam has the best job in the world, or I get to come up here and I get to introduce myself as West Buchanan, pastor of men's ministry and missions and outreach, and I have the best job in the world, right? I think, I think it's a little bit of both. I think we both have the best job in the world. So one of the things that I get to do as for a living, which is crazy to me, one of the things I get to do as far as the men's ministry part is hold events that connect guys together with God's word and with each other. And so this Saturday, actually, we have our first ever grill and chill. All right. And our very own Nick Kokalis is going to share some of his faith journey. And we'll hang out. We'll discuss and have small groups discuss those questions uh, that he gives us. We'll hang out, have a good time. But we will have some amazing food. So we will have Jim Taggart's brisket. We will have Paul Yarger's pork shoulder. And then we will have Jeff Boogie's sushi barbecue bacon. I don't know what that is, but I'm excited to eat it. And we might put something green on the table as well, you know, (laughs) just for a dressing or something like that. And then also with missions and outreach, I get the privilege to be a part of a committee that gets to support, pray for, and get behind the, the things that are bubbling up out of north that we take outside of the walls here uh, of the church into the community, Arizona, and around the world. And I get to be a part of that. For example, this last week, we went to Feed My Starving Children. We had an event there where we packed food together. There's, this is some of our group. We actually had 50 people from north there packing food that got sent around the world. And the, the, so the crazy thing, there's 150 people there, but just our group, I want to give you the numbers of what just our group was able to pack that night, all right? There were 82 boxes that we filled full of, of this boxed food, and, and those boxes have 36 of these inside of them, okay? And so uh, I took one of these when they weren't looking. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, and we packed, that was, that's the equivalent of 18,000 meals that we packed and to put that in context, the food that we packed uh, this week, that you guys packed this week, uh, is going to be sent to Thailand, and it will feed 49 kids for a year. Uh, so that is amazing. You guys get to be a part of that. I get to be a part of that. And the cool thing is the missions committee decided to, uh, to pay for all of that food uh, out of its budget, out of the, the offerings and tithes that you give. And so someone has to pay for that, and so we got a chance to do that here at North. And so it's a privilege to be a part of that. Uh, We're continuing, actually we're finishing our best summer ever series today with uh, the title Lean In. If you haven't noticed, we've used a bunch of in verbiage, uh, grace in, jump in, and this morning is lean in. And I want you guys to just kind of picture this leaning in. I want you to think about this concept of leaning in. So if you go to a movie and it's this really intense part of the movie. You can, you can kind of see other people or like even yourself, you kind of like literally lean closer to the screen. You're like, you physically actually lean in. 
Or maybe you're watching a game, or you like football, and there's the end of the game, three seconds left, and there's a Hail Mary. Like, you might actually be standing up next to the TV. You're, you're leaning in that much uh, to see what's going to happen. Uh, or maybe you're in a conversation with someone, and they are just hanging on every one of your, your words. May, or, or you are hanging on, you're, you're, you're literally leaning in and fully engaged in what is happening. And so that's what I want us to uh, see this morning is through the lens of leaning in. When we look at God's word, when we look at the, the, um, the passage we're going to talk about today and the ideas that I think the Lord wants to bring about, I want you to see it through the lens of what does it mean to fully engage? What does it mean to fully lean in to these things? So if you have a Bible, you can open up your Bible to Hebrews. If you have a Bible app, you can do the same thing. Uh, by the way, if you happen to not have a Bible, we will give you one. We'll give you four if you need them. Give them away to your friends, family, come to guest services. We want to make sure uh, that you have a Bible. So in a minute, um, I'm going to talk about um, something that I believe the Lord started in my heart about a year ago. And it was this article that I read that uh, Dave Ramsey wrote, um, and it was about the relationships that he thinks we should have according to God's plan and this idea just kept bubbling up within me. I kept thinking about it. I, it kind of just kept coming up in my heart and in my mind, and it's developed and changed as I've been thinking about it, praying about it, going to God's Word, talking with other people. And so this is, this is a message today that has been kind of churning in my heart and mind for about a year. <clears throat> and what I'm going to propose is that I believe every believer, every Christ follower, should have six relationships in their life that I believe, based on the life of Jesus and the God's word, that there are six relationships that we should all have. And I'm going to talk about what those relationships are. I'm going to talk about how those are to be. But be before we do that, we're going to talk about the why. And that's where the passage comes in today. And, but let's pray before we open up God's word. And God, I thank you for this moment. Um, you've, you've known exactly who was going to be here today and what we're supposed to hear from you. And so I pray that our heart and our minds are open to you. I pray that the words that we're supposed to hear jump off the page. You promised in Isaiah that it's never going to return to you void. And so we lean on that promise right now, God. In your name, amen. <clears throat> so a little background for the book of Hebrews, all right? Uh, a little background of the book of Hebrews. Uh, we actually don't know who the author of Hebrews is. Uh, we've, there are some clues that maybe it was Paul. There are some clues that maybe it was Apollos or Luke or even Barnabas or maybe even a combination of, of those folks. But we don't know who the author is. What we do know is that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. What we do know is that it was written around 70 AD, which would be about 40 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And what we do know that it's a powerful book, uh, not only for theology, which is our understanding of God and understanding of who we are in relation to God, uh, but also in this, this idea that we can have assurance of our faith, like we can be sure of who our faith is actually in, and Hebrews addresses a lot of those things. So why do I bring up the fact that <clears throat> we don't know who wrote Hebrews? Well, one, it's true, and two, uh, because it challenges me to go deeper in my faith. Uh, so here's, here's why that challenges me to go deeper in my faith and in my trust in God, because I like it when I know who an author of a book is, and, and there's evidence to that, and there's people that speak about that, and there's 
facts that you can pull in and a historian wrote about this person so we know for sure that it was there. And Like that's nice, I like when that happens, but that's kind of comfy cozy. Uh, for what it does for me is it challenges me to say, okay, God, I'm not exactly sure all the details of what's going on here, but I know that you've given it to us for a purpose. And it challenges me to trust God more because I'm never going to fully understand God and I'm never going to fully understand his word, but I am going to continue to grow in my faith and trust that he has a plan. So um, that's a little background to the book of Hebrews, a little context to the passage we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at three verses. We're going to look at Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Um, but So what's going on just before this? The, the author is talking about, uh, before this in the passage, the Holy Spirit is talking about Christ's sacrifice for all. The sacrifice we just mentioned with communion. And then this assurance of faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. So some pretty foundational things as a follower of Jesus uh, that, he, that the author is talking about. And then immediately following the three verses we're going to look at today is a warning. It's a warning that if we're not holding tight to our assurance of faith, if we're not connected to Christ, what ha could happen to us? And so it gives those consequences of those decisions or decisions we don't make. And then following just those verses, we have this amazing chapter, Hebrews 11. And you might know this phrase, or might not. It's kind of coined the, the faith chapter. And, and what, it, what it gives us is this picture of the heroes of God's story and how strong their faith was and how many things that that accomplished, God was able to accomplish through them with Abraham, Moses, Samson, Sarah, David, and Gideon. So a, a hugely important, powerful part of Scripture here in Hebrews. And tucked right in the middle are these three verses that we're going to look at today. And I kind of like to think of it kind of like the white creamy feeling of an Oreo cookie um, or the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop maybe. Right in the, okay, it's in the middle, all right, <clears throat> of those things. We're going to look at Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I've always loved this passage. It just has always jumped out to me. So this first part we're going to look at is this holding fast, this idea of holding fast to the confession of our hope. And this, this is literally like a gripping something, holding on to it really tightly, hold, holding tightly. It's, it's, a, it's an active decision. To be, to be passive would be to, that your hands would fall, right? But to be active in that decision of holding tightly to our, the, the faith and confession that we have in Jesus. And so, you know, if you're holding something and you're not, it's not holding tightly, it can, it can slip, right? Or it can move or it can fall. And so that's the idea that we're talking about here. When I think of holding tightly to something, I always remember this, the uh, junior-senior boating trip several years ago. We, we went up north uh, to Lake Powell and the Douglases took with us and several of you uh, were, were there. And it was great. We're on, the, we're on the lake, and we ski and stuff, and then Craig's like, oh, let's get out these boats, or let's get out these tubes, and I'm going to pull you around. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. And then he goes to torture us for several hours, flipping us around. You know, we're, we're going off the tubes, and we're crashing over people and all this stuff. And I, I mean, I am holding on to that rope, death grip. 
but I am not going to let him get me off of this tube, holding on so tightly. And I believe uh, that, that that led to the next day we came home, and I'm outside the church here, and I flick a Gatorade bottle cap with one of the students, and it snapped the tendon in my hand, and I had to have surgery. Be, I firmly believe it was because of that death grip that happened to me on that tube that weekend. But that's the idea that we're talking about here, this holding tightly to the confession of our hope. So what is this confession of hope? There, there's two pieces, I believe, that the Lord is talking about here. One, it's the initial confession of hope. And that is when we first realize. So when is that moment you first realized your need for Jesus? You first realized your sin has separated you from the creator of the universe, and you need him. You confess to him, and you place your hope in him. It's that initial confession of, of hope that, that we're to hold on to. But it's also the continual confession of hope that we are to hold on to. This, this idea that you are continuing to realize, I need God. Continuing to realize that we fall short. And to hold on to the hope of Jesus that our salvation is in him. So the question is, is rightly, when was the last time you really sat before the Lord and said, I, I mean, I need you. I'm not complete without you. I'm separated from you when I make these decisions. I try and do this on my own. You confess, and then you, you confess the, the hope that you have in him. And you do that with other people. Scripture teaches us to confess our sins one to another. Confess your sins with others. When, when do you do that? Have you done that? Are you willing to do that? And to also share with other people the hope that you have in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. So that's that, that confession of hope we're to hold tightly onto. And then the passage also mentions uh, not forgetting to meet together, as is the habit of some. So that's literally one of the theological reasons why we are here today. Uh, it's this idea of regularly meeting together to open up God's word, to pray, to worship, for teaching, and for fellowship. That's one of the reasons we are here today. But this meeting together is not just what we do in an hour on Sunday morning. We are to not forget to meet together outside of these walls in the relationships that we have with other people, in our relationship with God. And we have those things set up in our life on a regular basis where we are meeting together with others to encourage our faith. God cannot be, we cannot be all God wants us to be unless we are meeting outside of these walls as well. The part of the message that jumps out to me the most and where I'm going to kind of hang the longest today <coughs> is this. It says, consider how to stir up others towards love and good works. What does it mean to consider how to stir up others in love and good works? Well, we're thinking about it right now, so we're honoring that part of it. We're considering what it would mean to stir up others towards love and good works. And I think the answer to what it means to stir others up is, are these relationships that we're going to talk about here in a minute. It's this idea of leaning in, and we'll talk about that as we go forward. The passage is not saying... So here's what the passage is not saying. <clears throat> it's not saying that you should love and do good works. 
we should love and we we should do good works because of who Christ is. But this passage is saying we should stir others up towards love and good works. So what would it mean for you to stir others up towards love and good works? Here's the six relationships that I believe each of us should have and that this will point us to what it means to fully lean in to the relationships that we have and to stir others up to love and good works. And the first one is our relationship with Jesus. Okay, as Christ followers, that our first relationship would be with Jesus Christ. And not just here on Sunday for this hour that we are here, but outside of, of these walls. Um, what would it look like for you to not just study Jesus, not just read about Jesus, not just learn facts about Jesus, but to really fully lean into your relationship with him. One of the things that I believe needs to happen is a regular time with him. Just a, I'm not going to tell you how often that needs to be or how long those need to be or where you need to be or what you need to listen to or what you need to read or not read. But we do need a regular time with God in order to lean into what he would have for us. And I believe leaning into our relationship with Jesus would look like asking a few questions to Jesus, stopping, pausing, opening up God's word, praying, thankfulness, worship, and then asking some questions like, what do you have for me today? What is it that you need to show me right now? What can I work on? Who do I need to talk to? Who, can, who are you wanting me to stir up towards love and good works? And really listen for what he would have to say. Asking Christ for his help with your faith and with the faith of others. And then we come to these next three relationships I believe we should have. And this is where, this is the article that Dave Ramsey wrote a while ago. And he basically coined it this way. He said <coughs> that he believes uh, that all believers should have a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas in their life. A Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. The Paul is, is a teacher or someone who's gone before us, who has more experience. Someone that pours into us because that's who Paul was for so many people. He wrote like half of the New Testament. Uh, he teaches many of people, but the people around him saw him as a leader, as someone who went before them. So do you have someone in your life that pours into you, that invests in you, that leads you, that advises you? And what would it mean for you to lean into that relationship in your life, that, that teacher? And then the next thing is the relationship we should have is with, with a Timothy or with a student. So Paul had a, a student that he poured into and that was, was Timothy. No matter where you're at in your faith journey, you need someone to pour into. The beginning, you've been doing this a long time, you're struggling, it doesn't matter. There should be someone that you are investing into because what happens is it does something to you. When you know that this person is gonna ask questions or ask for advice or they're looking at your life for how to live and go forward. What does it mean to live for Jesus like this person? It changes you and it will change them. We need each other to do that for one another, no matter where you're at. So we all need relationship with Jesus, 
We all need a teacher in our life. We all need a student in our life. And we all need a Barnabas. We all need a friend. We need someone that we're going to do life with that's just going to be present. They're going to be loyal. They're not always going to be trying to make you change. They're not always saying, hey, help me, help me, help me. But they're just, they're just there. They're someone that you enjoy, that you spend your time with. We all need a friend. So sometimes these roles or relationships in our lives can kind of overlap. So Jeff Tebalt, you know, was the pastor of marriage and family here at North for a number of years. He's, he still attends North here. He, he is someone in my life that is, is one of the teachers, one of the people who have gone before me that, that I look to as, as a leader. But that doesn't mean that he's not my friend. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't allow me to invest into him. But primarily, the relationship that, that we have is he, he invests in me, that he pours into me. So some of those relationships may change, but each one, each person kind of has their own role in our life. <clears throat> so then Dave Ramsey tells this story of this Belgian horse, and I just thought this was amazing. Here's a picture of this, this Belgian horse, okay? They're ginormous. <clears throat> one of these horses can pull 8,000 pounds by itself. Amazing, super, super strong animal. Can pull 8,000 pounds by itself. And then, <clears throat> if you put two of these Belgian horses together who are unfamiliar with each other and they're not trained to be together, but you just put them together, they don't just pull 16,000 pounds, which is what math would say. Uh, they pull 24,000 pounds just by putting them together. And then if you train them, if you work with them as a pair, they can actually pull up to 32,000 pounds, just the two of them. And it's a perfect illustration that, that we literally are better with other people, with these relationships that we have in our life with, with Jesus. We're literally better with a teacher in our life, a student, a friend. The fifth relationship that I believe uh, all believers should have is a relationship with the least of these or the needy, someone with great need. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. So it's not just about sending money to Tanzania, which is great. I think we should all do that. It's not just about praying for people in other countries. It's not just about being a part of a project that gets sent somewhere else. But it's, it's actually, we all also need an exchange, a relationship with someone with great need. So d how are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? Is, is that I have a personal relationship with someone who has great need would be considered the least of these. Because it will change you and it will change them. The sixth relationship I believe all believers should have is with unbelievers, with the lost. Jesus says, go into all the world making disciples. This could be a family member, coworker, neighbor, a friend. But we need to be intimately connected and in relationship with people who do not know Jesus yet. We're called to do that, to invest, to spend time with, to point them to Jesus. So how are you doing with these relationships? There's six of them. Do you need to add any of those to your life? Are, 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 some, are they growing? Are you doing well? And this is where I think the idea of what it would mean to really lean into these relationships, this is where we come to this idea of stirring one another up towards love and good works. I made brownies with Bryson and his friends this week, and we literally just put the ingredients on the table. There's a bowl, and there was the 
brownie mix, and then there was eggs and, and oil and different things like that. So <clears throat> we literally stirred them up. And they went from like five ingredients to one. It literally physically changed. This is what the author of Hebrews is talking about. What would it mean for you to have relationships in your life that you are, you are changing them? You're stirring them up to love and to good works and that you allow other people in your life to stir you up, to change you, to point you towards Christ to where you're different at the end. I believe this is what it would look like. First, I think trust needs to be established. In order for you to fully engage and lean in with someone, uh, you would need to establish trust, and trust will build over time. You know, you pr probably shouldn't go, hello, my name is Wes, it's nice to meet you. I am gonna stir you up. <laughs> but over time, through relationships, when you're fully engaged and leaning in, you're building that trust, the, the, the more opportunity you will get to stir them up and allow them to stir you up. And one of the you know, practical ways to do this is ask questions. When you're in conversations with, with these people, conversations with others, ask questions. Be intentional about that time. I was actually hanging out with, with Jay, our new senior pastor, yesterday for breakfast. Had a good time, and, and I was telling him the story of how I met Kristen and how uh, we got engaged, and I actually uh, went to Cassidy, her daughter, first when she was two years old, and I asked her if I could marry her mom, and I presented her with a ring pop. And she wanted the ring pop, so she said yes. <laughs> and Jay said, he goes, well, what was the flavor of the ring pop? In all my years of telling that story, no one has ever asked me that question. That was great. What it said to me is that he's, he was engaged. He's like, he's literally there with me, and he's picturing what's happening. Are you close enough to people where, where you can ask those questions? You're intimate enough with other people. Uh, with, with being not, uh, in those relationships and being stirred up, you may need to ask those people to encourage you in certain areas or ask them to challenge you. Sometimes you just need to give people permission to challenge you and to encourage you. They may need you to say out loud, hey, I love you. We, we're learning to trust each other. You have permission to encourage me and challenge me. Otherwise, it may not happen. Serve people. What would it mean for you to, a friend of yours, okay, you guys are, are buddies. You do stuff together. What would it mean for you to serve that person? When it comes to an unbeliever or the lost, how powerful would it be if you, in some way, because of your relationship with them, you, you know them, you understand them, to stand up for them in something? What would it mean to them that you, as a Christ follower, stood up for them and fought for something for them? That would stir them up. That would stir up the people around you as you did that. You need to allow others to support and serve you. For some of you, this is a really hard one, that you would allow other people to support you or that you would allow other people to serve you. It can't happen just one way all the time. We, we need people to serve. We need to allow others to support us, to serve us. 
We need to enjoy each other. What would it mean if you, ha- if you have a mentor or someone who's gone before you or this teacher relationship in your life, what would it look like for you to just enjoy that person? Create something, create an event, create a, an activity that you would enjoy together with them. Open up God's word with these people in these relationships. Talk about the characteristics of God. Pray with and for these people. If you had someone that you were pouring into, you need, to, you need to evaluate your relationship. Actually, we need to evaluate all these relationships. So if you're, if you're spending time with them and you're kind of pouring into them and you're allowing them to pour into you, but you're kind of the primary teacher role in their life, ask them how it's going. How's this, is this working for you? Are we meeting often enough? Do we need to meet more, more often, less often? Should I challenge you more? Do I need to encourage you more? What, what do you need from me to help stir you up, to change you? Evaluate those relationships. And then adjust your relationship based on what you think the Lord is doing or maybe not doing in you and in them. Have honest conversations. Do you have people in your life that you can't lie to? Point them to Jesus. Allow them to change you and for you to change them. So the list is, you know, kind of simple, right? These six relationships I believe all unbelievers should have. The, the difficult part is living it out because it's sometimes really awkward. Sometimes it's really messy. Sometimes it's really uncomfortable to allow people to fully lean in to who we are and for us to fully lean in because what's going to happen is some of these relationships that you start, okay, hey, Wes, I heard that message. I need, I need to invest in this kind of person until that starts, and then it, some of them are going to fail. That's just the reality of relationships. But keep going. Find someone else. Maybe try and evaluate, can you change that relationship? It will be messy because we are messy. But stay after it. We're called to stir one another up towards love and good works, to change and allow ourselves to be changed. So one of the relationships I have in my life is I meet with three guys every Thursday for lunch, and we, we get together and, and we talk with one another, and we are, the agreement is that we're going to stir each other up. And, but sometimes I'm just in a stubborn mood, and I don't want to be changed that day. Sometimes I push too much with someone else, or I feel like they're pushing too much with me, or sometimes I'm just insensitive to what's going on in their life. At times, I'm not very humble. At times, I exaggerate how well I'm actually doing. Sometimes, I'm not real open. Sometimes, I choose the lazy way, and I would rather talk about sports the whole time than really digging into my life and then theirs. It's not easy, but it's what the Lord calls us to do. It can be messy, but it's worth it, right? Christ asks us to do this. He models it for us. So this week, I was, as I was studying for this passage, I was at Cartel. It's a little coffee shop in South Scottsdale. And I'm looking out the window. And this was my view of when I was looking out the window. And this little bird just kind of came bopping in, just like bouncing around. And it, would, it was looking for food, and it would go underneath the tire, and then it would bounce out, and then it would look by the tree, and it come out and it would just kind of look around. It went on top of the little newspaper stand and I never saw it find any food. And I was, I was like studying this and I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a cool I- idea, the picture. Uh, how, 
easier and better would it have been if, if he had a, a bird buddy and his buddy was like, hey, I'll show you where the food is. The food's not over there. It's over here. And then at the same time, he goes, oh, you're going to show me where the food is? Let me grab someone else and, and help them find where the food is. That just makes so much sense, right? It's like way easier if they would have just, if they just do that together. But that's what we are faced with. It's easier to just do it on our own. But I believe the Lord calls us to do it together, to fully lean in and engage with those people and stir them up to love and good works, and then we would also be stirred up to love and good works. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you were the original stirrer-upper of good works, that you uh, came into this world for, for us. And so, God, as we leave here, as we consider uh, maybe these relationships that we have or we don't have, uh, that we're either leaning in, we're not leaning in, I pray that you give us opportunities to live this out in our life, that you, uh, you convict us, uh, not because of it's, it's a good thing to do or because it was talked about today, but because it's out of our love and expression for, for you and for who you are. We th- say thank you for this morning. Ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for being here today, guys. We have our prayer partners over here if you'd like trade with and for, and then you can record your prayer requests on the table. We'll start praying for those tomorrow morning. Love you. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.